Hey everybody, welcome to I'm Hormonal. This is a podcast where we talk about how to support our hormone health, menstrual health, and how to lean into cyclical living. If you are trying to understand the signals that your cycle is sending you, then you are in the right place. I'm here to share practical tips and information with you that will support you on your quest for hormone balance. I'm Bridget, a functional hormone specialist and menstrual cycle coach, and I'm here to guide you along this journey. My name is Bridget, and I am so happy that you are here to join me for part two of this conversation on five common symptoms of hormone imbalance. If you haven't listened to last week's episode yet, we talked through the first three, and in this episode today, we'll go ahead and finish out with the final two symptoms. I'll keep my intro short today so we can just get right back into it, but as always, two housekeeping notes. First, be reminded that the content that I share with you today is for informational purposes only, and it should not be used as a replacement for one-on-one support from a certified practitioner or from your healthcare provider. Second, you can follow me on Instagram so you can see the information and tips that I'm sharing over there. You can also check out the show notes for any resources and links that I talk about today. You can also go to BridgetWalton.com slash podcast in order to check out those details there too. Last but not least, if you find value in the information that I'm sharing with you today, then know that you can support this podcast by buying me a coffee through the link in the show notes. Let's go ahead and jump right back in. The fourth common symptom that we're going to move on to is period pain. And so a normal level of pain associated with your period, it should not disrupt your day-to-day activities. It shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be disruptive to your school or your work or whatever you are up to. Taking a lot of painkillers should be a signal that, that your pain is worse than what it needs to be, Right. Period pain is common. We've societally sort of accepted that this is just the way that it is and this is just, you know, what we've been served, but it's actually not normal and there are things that you can do to address it. You probably already know this, maybe through your own experiences, but cramping is almost always worse at the start of your period and that's when prostaglandin levels are at the highest and then they wane throughout the bleed. Um, Also, of course, cramping can be experienced as a sore lower back, so kind of one in the same there. The sort of one-line takeaway of what the symptom can indicate could be either excess estrogen, which is something to look at and and be aware of, or maybe you need to um, investigate a little bit further into another condition like endometriosis or adenomyosis that might need to be handled in a different manner. Anyway, coming back to some of the main causes or the main reasons why there's period pain is because you have excess estrogen. And again, when we talk about excess estrogen, that's in relation to progesterone levels. So maybe you're not producing as much progesterone as you would need to have that sort of appropriate ratio. Or maybe you're holding on to too much too much estrogen for, you know, one of many reasons. So there are a couple of different levers, you know, in play with that dynamic. Also, excess histamine, as we mentioned before, could increase period pain. 
Infection can also contribute to, um, you know, additional period pain. And last but not least, endometriosis or adenomyosis are other things that are not, they're definitely not considered, you know, normal period pain, um, but maybe is something that you should investigate further with your doctor to determine if that is something that you are experiencing. So with painful periods and on the note of infection, that's one thing that, you know, if you suspect that you have a UTI or another sort of infection, that could be worth getting tested with your doctor. I know for me personally, I had a UTI uh, a couple of months ago, and then when my period did come around, I I mean, it just incredibly painful cramps. And then once my UTI went away, my period, you know, cramps went back to normal because there just wasn't that added inflammation and just sensitivity. Um, so man, yeah, I hope that that's none of you out there because that was exceptionally lame, but just one thing to consider if you're like, wow, this really isn't normal. And you know why this month is, are my cramps way different than they were last month? Just something to consider there. Coming back to the Dutch test, this is another good one for painful periods because understanding how estrogen is being um, detoxified and how it's metabolizing can really help clue you in on what are the proper routes to go in order to balance out those levels of estrogen the way that you want to see them. Let's look at a couple of recommendations for period pain and First, avoid dairy or, you know, try to avoid dairy as much as you can, cow dairy specifically, but try it out and see how you feel and what you notice when you avoid dairy. This is more of a preventative thing as opposed to a reactive thing. Um, Next, consider, you know, taking magnesium, zinc, and turmeric, which can all help with inflammation. With turmeric, you want to take it with black pepper as well. If you are a gal who likes a golden milk latte, then maybe that's going to be your new go-to drink instead of, you know, a latte when you are on your period. That's my go-to anyway. My third recommendation here is that if you think that your period pain is originating from a problem that is like much bigger than period pain, like endometriosis, that you talk to your doctor about it and that you really advocate for yourself. Bring somebody to the doctor, you know, bring your friend or bring your sister or bring your whoever it is that will help to advocate for you. It's oftentimes a long path to getting a diagnosis for endometriosis because it's so complex. And so, yeah, I guess that's just why I think if, you know, if you, if you think that that's you, then, you know, start getting on that path sooner than later so that you can feel better sooner than later. Okay, team. So we've talked through why uh, low and irregular energy levels are uncommon. We've talked about PMS and irregular cycle lengths. We just talked about period pain. And last but not least, let's go ahead and talk about irregular period durations and why that is atypical and why it should be inspected further. So period duration. If you are having a bleed that is less than two full days of bleeding, then you need to take a deeper look. Also, if you're like, okay, how much blood is 
light or too light, know that 25 milliliters is, a, you know, an acceptable, I guess, minimum amount of blood to shed. And that would be equal to about five regular tampons. So if you're bleeding less than that, then consider why that might be. And let me make a couple of suggestions. So your short period could be a result of, here she is again, an, an ovulatory cycle or a cycle in which you're not actually ovulating and squeezing out an egg. Also, PCOS can contribute to short cycles as well as excess phytoestrogens. So, right, phytoestrogens are um, chemicals that resemble estrogens. Chemicals not just like, you know, I mean, like pine salt, but uh, in tofu, right, is like one of the most common or, or well-known ones. So, if you are eating tofu every day, then that could have an impact on it. The first thing to ask yourself really, though, when you're thinking about your light period is, did I ovulate? Did I see any symptoms to tell me that I ovulated, like my temperature changing around the middle of my cycle, if you track your basal body temperature? Or um, did you see any fertile cervical mucus? You know, that seems like that egg white kind of stretchy or like a rope kind of cervical mucus um, in the couple of days before ovulation. So that's the first thing to note. If you did ovulate, but you still are having a light period, then maybe that could be because, you know, if you smoke, that can contribute to it. If you are under eating, or as I just mentioned, if you're eating like tofu on tofu on tofu, then that could contribute to light periods as well. If you didn't ovulate though, or if you didn't notice signs of ovulation, then maybe that's an opportunity to look into polycystic ovary syndrome more, as well as considering how can you just nourish your body more and stress less. Let's flip now to look at too long of periods. So if you're bleeding for seven or more days, then that should be, you know, your ears should be perking up because that's a long bleed, right? And also that could be equivalent to like 16 fully soaked regular tampons. That's like about how much is on the upper limit of, of um, common blood loss or common tissue loss. If you are having those really long bleeds, then that could be indicative of maybe perimenopause, right? Perimenopause, your ovaries and your estrogen levels are changing more erratically, which can lead to heavy periods. PCOS can also contribute to heavy periods. Um, if you have a low progesterone, heavy periods, because if you remember, estrogen works to build up the tissue and your endometrial lining and progesterone opposes estrogen and it kind of helps to thin out that lining. Three more things here. Um, estrogen excess, which we've, we've talked about a couple of times. If you have a problem with your thyroid, that could lead to long bleeding and an ovulatory cycle. She's back as a contributing factor here. Last but not least, uterine polyps and or fibroids could contribute to heavy bleeding. I think I said three more things and I've listed five, but, but the actual last thing here that could be a contributor to is the copper IED. So if you have the copper IED, you probably got that heads up or hopefully you got that heads up when your doctor was, well, 
uh, installing it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that can lead to heavier bleeding than what you experienced before. A couple of notes if you are going to check in with your doctor on this, then or your OBGYN, you might want to talk to them about uterine polyps or fibroids for heavy bleeding. Also, it could be worth going through and asking them to um, to run like a full thyroid panel for you because low thyroid can result in heavy bleeding. Also, if you're going to go through some testing with them, ask your doctor to test your serum or blood ferritin levels um, to see if they're regular because if your ferritin levels are low, then you might want to consider taking um, iron by glycinate in order to make sure that your iron levels are where they should be. Iron and ferritin, um, they work together essentially in your body. So a couple of recommendations here. And again, these are preventative, not reactive so much, but consider avoiding cow dairy. Also focus on keeping your insulin levels low. Like, okay, cool. How do I keep my insulin levels low? You keep them low by keeping your blood sugar levels also low or relatively stable. Maybe I shouldn't say low, but they should be stable. You don't want to have a lot of um, fluctuations, spikes, uh, or whatever, peaks and troughs in your blood sugar. So, um, so you're like, again, Bridget, what does that actually mean? Well, if you are focusing on eating meals that have protein and fat and maybe focus on eating those parts before your, before the carbs, then that's going to help you out. The next recommendation, exercise regularly. Movement is good. And last but not least, Focus on supporting your gut microbiome and making sure that you have a healthy gut microbiome because that's going to help you eliminate estrogen as best you can. Now that we've made it through all the good stuff, what you can do is go to the link in the show notes so that you can get a download of a template that walks you through everything we talked through today, right? So what are the five symptoms? What should you be looking for? And what are a couple of tips that you can, you know, use and and take action on in order to um, address these symptoms? So go ahead to the link in the show notes. You should also be able to go to bridgetwalton.com slash common symptoms, and you'll be able to pull the PDF from there and use that as a resource, print it out, do whatever you want, and have that to work with to address these symptoms. For your practical weekly tip, we mentioned it a couple of times, but try avoiding dairy for a couple of days and just see how you feel. Like, just just listen to me for a second, right? You don't have to have it forever. You don't have to do it forever. But do you notice a difference? Getting to know your body and recognizing the signals that it's sending you is super important. So just use this as an opportunity to get a deeper understanding of yourself and see for a couple of days, do you notice anything different about your symptoms or do you notice anything different with your next period that comes through and with any symptoms that you have there? If you learned something new in the episode today and found it helpful, please send this episode to someone who you know who would find it insightful as well. Don't forget to subscribe and you can rate or review the podcast if you like it. Last but not least, if you're wondering if one-on-one coaching with me would be a good fit for you, go ahead and click the link in the show notes to set up a free discovery call. Okay, guys, I am so grateful for you listening and especially for those of you who have made it 
all the way to the end here. Thank you so much, and I can't wait to see you here again next week. Alrighty, bye everybody. Consider, again, avoiding Dow, Dow carry. <laughs> yeah, avoid Dow carry. I wonder who that is.